Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. It's your favorite friend on Wednesday, David Wheels Maxwell. Glad to see everybody. Listen, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. That's right. I said cotton candy. And this takes cotton candy to a whole new level. We're not talking uh, flavors like cherry and blueberry. No, no, no. Although you can get those, I'm sure. But they've got flavors like Fireball, uh, Pickle, uh, uh, Shirley Temple, all kinds of good flavors. So it's good for your sweet tooth. Maybe you're, maybe not your dentist, Bill, but it's it's good for the taste buds. So listen, if you want to get some Falengas, check out their website at Falengas Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. They're also at the public market. And if you go to the public market and you tell them you saw it here on Wednesdays with Wheels, you get a dollar off your purchase. So there's a little extra incentive when you go to the public market and to tell her that you saw it here on Wednesdays with Wheels. Your taste buds will thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited about this podcast because, first of all, it's dealing with a subject that I love, uh, that I started playing when I was probably around 17 years old. I would play with this gentleman, Mike Prone. And let me tell you, when I, Mike, when I would play with you, you're yeah. a great guy, but I would hate to play poker with you. Because <laughs> you thought the game 10 steps ahead of everybody else. So how are you, my friend? It's it's really good to see you. Thanks for having me on the show. And listen, the reason I wanted to have you on the show was because, and I'm going to let you tell people, but you just, I had a pretty big milestone in your poker career. Tell people what that was. Yeah, I took home gold at the World Series of Poker this year. Won a, the $1,000 uh, Turbo Bounty Tournament early on in the series. Yeah, hold that up one more time, would you sure. please? We got we to gotta appreciate that. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, first of all, $1,000 event. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, for people that don't know poker, might be listening to this podcast, don't have a uh, wide uh, knowledge of poker. Explain to them. So a $1,000 event means everybody puts $1,000 up to join the tournament. Yeah. Okay. So how many people were in the tournament? Uh, about 1,400. 1,400. And explain what a turbo is. Yeah. So the blinds, uh, the antis, basically you're, you're forced to put more money in the in the pot um, more quickly. The blinds go up at a quicker rate. So, quicker. you know, maybe the, well, they'd really increase at like 60 minutes. It was uh, it was 20, actually. And then so, about... And then a bounty, it was a bounty on top of that, right? Yeah. So if you knocked out a player, you got $300. Okay. Uh, how many players did you, how many, how many, how many players did you knock out? Uh, I got eight bounties and then I get to keep my own since I won. So nine. So you get nine. That's, yeah. that's a nice little payday in itself there too. For sure. Uh, for sure. So uh, with the turbo, was it, how many day event was it? It was actually a one-day tournament. So I, I I got in Vegas like 48 hours earlier, and I, I, I hopped in this event. I was actually going to play elsewhere. I was going to go like to another property and play another tournament. And um, it was a freeze-out, meaning you couldn't re-enter, and it just played till the end. So there wasn't even a dinner break. It was just a 15-minute break every two hours, and it was over in, in 16 hours. Oh, that's that's awesome. Now, just talk about, because it's interesting to me, when we talk about, we played a lot of cash games together. And, of course, back when we first started playing, it was mostly cash games and, and smaller tournaments. But talk sure. to me in a tournament like this, uh, even a one-day tournament, but just talk about what a grind it is. Uh, because I don't think people give poker players enough credit when it comes to that on how tough it can be uh, mentally. Yeah, I mean... So unlike a, if you're just used to cash games, you know, unlike a cash game in a tournament, you know, you play until you have no more chips in front of you. If you if you're you know unhappy about the way a hand goes and you're you're upset about a bad beat, you can't just rack up your chips and leave. You, know, you gotta you gotta stay and play it through. So, um, yeah, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of patience and a lot of uh, self forgiveness and just taking it one hand at a time. And it's you know it's it's just long hours. It's long hours of sitting. You know you gotta stay nimble and hydrated and, and make sure you're eating well. And, um, you know, think about dude, just sitting, doing anything for 16 hours, let alone like making decisions for a lot of money over and over again. 
that's why I always tell people uh, poker was made for me because I'm good at sitting. Because you're really good at sitting. <laughs> I'm really good at sitting. <laughs> I miss you, buddy. I What's it been? It's been what 10, 10 or twelve years since we yeah. since I, we played. I was trying to figure that out. About ten years. Day. I'm thinking at least ten, maybe even maybe even longer than that, maybe mm -hmm. fifteen. Because uh, I don't even think I was twenty-one. I mean, no, I you like, weren't. I, it was early days. It was like eighteen. I was eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah. And so it's interesting. What made you fall in love with the game of poker? When did you first? You said eighteen. That's when I started playing with you. But what? When did you first uh, get the poker bug? Yeah, I mean, it's probably in, in high school. I remember, you know, hosting parties with my friends. We would, uh, you know, all pitch in some money and order some food and, and whatever's left over. We would just play for. And we would do it like every every Friday. We we changed who was hosting. And um, you know, when I went away to college, I. Uh, you know, was dating someone that also played, you know, we, we played with Sarah back in the day. Sure. Um, so that we, you know, we fed off each other, you know, when, when it was like, we just lived, eat, ate and breathed it. It's so easy when your partner is also playing and, you know, it just became an obsession at that point, I think. Right. And she also had some success uh, yeah. winning, winning some tournaments as well. And I know that this was not the first, the first, this is your first world series of poker bracelet, mm -hmm. I believe, but this is yeah. not your first, you won a circuit event, right? Did you win a? Uh, yeah, I, I so I started um I started playing full time like three and a half years ago, and I won a couple of circuit rings in uh, Omaha in Potlum and Omaha. So the uh, four card, it's like Hold'em, but you get four cards instead of two. And it seems like Potlum and Omaha is the new. Is that would you would you agree that that's the new fad? Oh yeah, it's getting big, and and you can just tell by um. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you've if you've been out to Vegas for the series or the last time you're out there. But this uh, this past series, I mean, there were so many low stakes PLO events. So it's really starting to like get popular. I think. You know, there were a ton of like five to six hundred dollar tournaments at the at the World Series of Poker for bracelets. So. And that's a more draw heavy game too, right? You're you're getting it in with some bigger draws than you would with hold them maybe. Yeah, you can have crazy hands where like you know you might be ahead of a set with some massive draw hand. Um, right. Yeah. You know, even though your hand is behind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still a, I'm still a traditionalist. Hold them to card. How do you play these days? I'm, I'm playing, uh, well, I'm playing online quite a bit. And then. Oh yeah. Yeah. I play on uh, the, the apps. So the PP poker, because mm -hmm. poker's not technically legal here in New York state. So it's, it's uh, hard to find actual rooms to play on. But yeah. uh, I'm playing on there quite a bit, and I want to jump into the online with you a little bit too because that that's a whole different animal in itself, I think. Uh, sure. But I want to stick with this with the your win for a little bit before we get into that. What uh, did you play with any pros? Were there any like big name pros that people might know at your table? Um, that people would know. No, probably not during this one. Oh, you know what? I, you know Fossil Man, Greg Raymer. Yeah, Greg Raymer. I played with him for one hand. He came. He late registered. He sat to my right. He said hello to everybody. He went all in. He lost and he left. <laughs> and he left. <laughs> but he was he was he was really nice and you know it was great to see him. You know he's a such an icon from back in the day when I was getting into it. So with his with his fossil man glasses yeah and... no no glasses but he still um he brings a fossil with him when he plays and he'll autograph it and write like a you know greeting or whatever to someone whoever, oh, knocks, him whoever, whoever knocks him out or whatever yeah so you get an extra little bounty there yeah you get a are little you... uh, prize yeah now this is not one thing i'm not that i don't know are you full-time playing poker now are you i am yeah so i when you I was in college when when we were playing together, you and I, yep. and um, I ended up going into graduate school uh, for psychology, and I, I was actually a practicing school psychologist with a with a doctorate down in Texas for some time. Um, my now wife was matching for uh, medical school and got a residency in Chicago, so we we moved up to Chicago. And when I made that move, I decided to try playing full time for a living instead of uh, job hunting. You know, I thought it was a good time to take the risk, sure. and I thought I'd regret it if I didn't take the chance, and I've been playing full-time ever since. Now, so when you say full-time, I just want uh, listeners to get an idea. What what does your schedule, what kind of schedule do you do with full-time poker playing? How many sure. things a yeah, week are you playing? 
that's been that's that's changed a lot. You know, I've I've moved around a lot, and with uh, COVID, you know, I was I was pretty apartment. I was just like locked into my apartment in Chicago for for months, so I, it was mostly online. But I would say like in a perfect world, I'm I'm probably playing, you know, four four to six four to six days a week. It really depends on my wife's schedule, um, and I can I can just have flexibility in, in working around it. But I'll play cash games like four to six days a week. Um, you know, I'll try to play like anywhere from like 20 to 30 hours and I probably study, um, like 10 hours a week. Um, and then I, you know, if I'm traveling for tournaments, I, I typically travel hmm, like one week, every like four to six weeks. Very cool. Now, what yeah. was your winning hand for the tournament? What was uh, and it, had, a hand that you never forget? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a, a queen, queen nine offsuit and got it the guy had like five or six big blinds and um i went all in and he called with ace four and i i flopped a queen and that was it now does queen nine because i've never won a big tournament like this so does queen nine now become your all-time favorite no i honestly it's so funny you mention it i you're not the first person to ask me what my winning hand was and i actually had to go back to the photo to remember i i hadn't i didn't really remember it was such a blur man 16 really? hours all at once. I didn't even have time to let people know that I made the final table. Right. It's it so funny. It, it's so funny because uh, I I came across it on your Facebook page after mm -hmm. you had already won. And I was like, holy crap. Like, we didn't, there wasn't any, like, there's no, I made there's no building table. anticipation. It was just. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, here's another interesting question. Do you. When you're when you're in these big tournaments and then you make it to the final table, do you try to turn off all social media and all that stuff because you don't want? So was that more? Well, I guess my question is, was that a bigger help to you because there was no, hey, I've made the final table, so now people are sweating you and maybe texting. Yeah, there wasn't any pressure, right? If no one really knew, and it right. was already it was my first accomplishment to be at a at a World Series of Poker final table. So I, and I man, I had no chips this whole darn tournament. I was like. I mean, I had like 10 to 15 big blinds for the entire tournament. Like basically all of my decisions were pre-flopped for, I don't know, until there were like 15 or 18 people left. Now, does that also make it easier when... when there's less pressure, right? right? Like there's, there's less there's less opportunity to make some huge mistake that you regret. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable with my strategy at that stack. You know, I know, I kind of know what hands I'm playing when. Um, so, you know, a lot of it kind of plays itself. You know, I did have to make some big folds. Like when it's a turbo tournament and everyone gets really short, all of a sudden, you know, having like three to eight big blinds, you know, and just being in the tournament is so important that you can really like fold down to nothing because all it takes is one one hit to like just right. stay alive. Just, just you know, make it to the end. Right. Yeah, it's uh, – and you, you brought up an interesting – a great point there too that because it's a turbo, at some point everybody sort of gets short. Yeah. Because that's what the blind structure is meant to do. Yeah, so the scale kind of moves down, you know. It it uh it you know when if you're if you're thinking like your safe your safe place is around thirty, you know, all of a sudden fifteen is looking pretty good. Right. So now it's interesting um, because I've been I followed before the series started some of the you know when they because of COVID some of the things that they were putting into place because of mm -hmm. COVID and. Some people were up in arms because they said you needed to be vaccinated. And some, I think Daniel Negreanu came out with some pretty strong statements. But what was the, what was it like with the whole um, pandemic, even though I think it is sort of in, sort of, it's not right. It's in the rear view mirror. We're still dealing with it, but it's more yeah, like no, we're still dealing with it for sure. than before. What was it like playing in a big tournament? dealing with COVID? What kind yeah, of Yeah, no, it's a great question, man. Um, you know, it was interesting because a lot of people there had been playing for, you know, a long time throughout the pandemic where either, you know, the, the state they live in doesn't have many restrictions and their casinos are open or they've been playing right. in underground games. But there were so many people there that this was their first time playing live in like 18 months. You know, so you have all these fanatics. So the energy was just, people were so happy to be there right really like you know even before the the big win like I, the, the series was just so fun like it was just it was so cool to be back you know everyone you know it had been a long time for everybody um 
check-in with the whole vaccine thing was pretty smooth. You know, most people just took a picture of their vaccine card and, and put it on an app. And so okay. you just watched it once the first time you registered and then it was just, that was taken care of. And, um, you know, masks were optional at the table because they had mandatory vaccines. So some of the bottle law is why they had the mandate. Um, right. So people are, anyone that's hating on the WSFP for the decision, I, I think they were just doing it to, to coincide with the way a Nevada state law was written for conventions where if like they man if they mandated the vaccine, then they wouldn't have to allow masks or they right. wouldn't have to mandate masks. So it right. made it, you know, a more desirable experience for everybody. Um, but yeah, everything was pretty smooth. Uh, people were pretty respectful. Um, it wasn't until the main event that I really heard of anyone getting sick, you know, and this is actually the first year that I didn't get sick during the the big poker series, like the summer series. I, I right. you know, people talk about poker plague and you're just, you're around so many people you're touching chips. It's kind of, a, it's always been a very dirty activity. Um, this is the first year I haven't gotten sick. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I was glad to see they made those steps, but I was also wondering first, I, I could just imagine, you know, like call, somebody coughs and everybody sort of like, you know, <sighs> is looking yeah. at that person. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, no, it was interesting too. Like the, there were some tables, everyone was wearing a mask. Right. And even though it wasn't required in other tables, no one was. But then there were there were people like, I don't know what these people were up to that were wearing it incorrectly. Like, if you don't have to wear it, then why wear it incorrectly? Like, why wear it at all if you're going to wear it incorrectly? You know what I mean? Well, that is a, that is a whole conversation that I often wonder myself. But when it's not, I mean, we see it all the time, but usually it's right. people that are like protesting the mask mandate right. and think it's stupid, right. you know? Right. But when it's not required, but. Yeah, it's the it's like you know you see the NFL players doing the same thing. Some of them are yeah. wearing it, but you're not. They're wearing it under their chin. You know, they got like, their chin diaper on. Yeah, you're only doing it because the NFL is telling you you need to. Right. And they're not. So I guess that would be my my question. So they weren't required. So then there was nobody that said to say, if they're not required, there's nobody that had to say you're not wearing it the right way. So. Actually, they required it in the hallways and transitioning between tables, which was odd. And okay. again, I think it was just the way the laws were written. So there were actually security guards all over the place that were pretty strict about it. Oh, um, very but everyone was pretty respectful um, because the, the, the masks are required everywhere else in Vegas. Right. So it's actually at, at other places. There was no one, no one enforcing it. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah. It did, yeah. I went to Vegas two years ago. Didn't mm -hmm. play in the series, just went. But the series was going on at the time I was there and uh, just to walk through uh, the Amazon room and the energy, uh, man, the energy and where they film. So was your final table? Was it filmed? It wasn't filmed. It was, and it's such a shame because they filmed, they streamed the one before mine and the one after mine, but for oh. some reason this one was just too quick or it okay. ended so late, I guess. So they didn't want to, they would have had to pay overtime for the crew. And I don't know. It ended so I guess like what we should tell people that don't know, some of the events are streamed. Some of the events are recorded and will be shown on, I believe this year, it's not ESPN, it's CBS, I think, has yeah. the right uh, to the World Series of Poker. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the coverage and how they, they handle it. But uh, so you can watch it on Poker Go and all that stuff. And Yeah. And do, you, do, you, do you have Poker Go? I, I do. I do. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I think the content's gotten better and better. I love it. I love some of the, the, the cash games that they have. Mm -hmm. And I think it's better now. And you can speak to this and it, it'll get us into another topic. Uh, but I think it's better now with some of the cash games they have, because I really think the players that are on those cash games are using their own money where mm -hmm. when we were watching poker after dark and all that kind of stuff, they were, I don't, they were getting paid to play. So they would be more reckless with their chips. I think. Oh yeah. I, it just seemed that way to me. And I think it gave people a different impression of poker. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. But now well, it's, it seems like it's become more mainstream now. I mean, I, it's definitely making a comeback. I don't know if it was just COVID and a lot of people were home and trying to learn something new, but man, online poker got so big last year when, uh, yeah. when everything got shut down. And I'll tell you like the characters that have been covered in this world series of poker main event, when I, I've been watching the coverage every day and just like, it makes me like feel like a kid again when we were playing um, yeah. together. I'm just like so excited about where the future of poker is headed. Cause you have these people that are very like meticulous and like strategic and almost surgical with how they play. 
And then you have these guys that just like don't give a shit and they're just they, we got these characters back, you know, we can have people to root for that are just reckless and happy to be there and like the Sean Shaykhans and the uh Yeah, we have like yeah, exactly. You know, you have a guy that's like playing Deuce Three uh, during like during the main event because it's like the dirty diaper in his home game or something. Like <laughs> right. Or something. And then you have uh you know, the guy dressed up as John, as a uh, as Captain Jack Sparrow and it's just, I don't know, a bunch of characters. You have an Arch- Argentinian rapper made the final table. That's um, amazing. Yeah. That and that's cool. what I think that's what gets people excited about poker, right? And they're like, I can this is something I can do because they're seeing regular Joes step up to the table. Where for a while, uh after the poker boom, you were really you weren't seeing the average Joe anymore. They were more focusing on the 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 pro i would say the young the young hoodie pros yeah 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 with the you know that looked miserable to be there in the first place <laughs> um, yeah i i told myself i would play i'd play full time until I, it was no longer fun and i wake up every day and it's what i want to do so well and, so I, and it's interesting now winning a big tournament like that right yeah. uh and winning a bracelet and you know for a for a novice player like i would say i am I always heard these guys say, for me, it's all about the bracelet. I don't, you know, the money's nice, but it's all about the bracelet. Is now that you've won a bracelet, what's the next the what's the next goal? I mean, because you have to keep striving for something bigger yeah. and better. No, it's a big milestone. I, I definitely want to contribute. I want to, you know, use the bracelet for some sort of visibility. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be famous, but I want to be an ambassador to the game. Um, I I I love poker a lot. And I think that like, you know, there, there, I have some friends that are involved in an initiative to, to get more women involved in poker, um, using it as a tool for like learning business skills and, and you know, like translating to the real world. You know, I think it's a great networking opportunity. Like you, you mentioned sure. before, we meet people from all different walks of life um, that would never meet any in any other setting except across from a poker table. Right. Um, you know, so I, I would love to, uh, continue, you know, nurturing a, a coaching background. You know, I've had some students in the past, um, but I want to combine my psychology background and my poker background to um, take that more seriously, make, build a, a brand out of that. Um, but just, uh, you know, I, I did some co- uh, co-commentary with with a buddy of mine down in Texas for some cash live streams. I really enjoyed really? that. Yeah, that was, that was a blast. I really, really dug that. Now, um, where can people find that? Where could have people found that if they wanted yeah, to? Yeah, YouTube. You there's, a, there's a great, there's a great um, live stream called uh, Texas Card House TCH Live, um, and there's uh, they they stream games out of Austin and Dallas, and sometimes they're like big cash games, like you know twenty five fifty. Other times it's tournament final tables. Um, sometimes it's like you know one two five games. So. Right. It just kind of depends on the night of the week, but uh, my buddy down there runs the the commentary down in, in Austin, so I joined him down there, played some tournaments. It's a, uh, Texas poker is pretty cool right now. Um, is it is it on Twitch? Where is that? Where uh, it's, on, it's on YouTube and Twitch. YouTube and Twitch. Yeah, okay. We have a YouTube channel and a Twitch channel. Yeah. Very cool. But, uh, I'm interested, Mike. How has because you've been playing uh, in bigger tournaments and and professionally now? How yeah. has poker changed? uh since we started playing because i feel like it has changed Uh, yeah um you know i think there's a lot more information out there there's way more content to get better so that the average player in these tournaments is is better i would say but the i don't know i think that the game is very cyclical so things, you know, things have had gotten pretty, you know, as far as styles of play, people got really conservative and like started playing very small ball in tournaments, like kind of like Daniel Negreanu uh, era stuff. Um, and the game's gotten to a point where with more information and like computer programs and solvers and training sites and all, all this all this content that's available for, for cost or for free, even on YouTube, um, you know, you can, you, there's, there's people that are getting more aggressive again. You know, so things kind of just see, I see strategies cycle through as far as the clientele. I think that like, it used to be the young guns, the young internet kids were the feared players. And now it's like, you know, the 30 and 40 somethings that kind of grew up when online poker was, was big, big, but before online, you know, Black Friday, before Black, uh, before poker got shut down. Right. Um, so age stereotypes are changing. Um, and I think there's just a lot more people that are 
with the way that like streaming has gotten big, there are a lot more people that are like, um, I don't know, idealizing the lifestyle a little bit more, like with, with YouTube lifestyle poker stuff, like there's a ton of poker and Instagram, YouTube, uh, poker streamers. Right. And I think that like, there's, you see a lot of, uh, just random like influxes of money in games now. I don't know if it's just that I'm playing bigger. So I'm seeing a different level of clientele or if, if that's just true everywhere, but it seems like, I don't know, man, I've lived in a bunch of cities and you know, you still have good games in Rochester, but like everywhere else, poker is just like, it's just getting bigger and bigger. I feel like. Yeah. And I, yeah, to be honest with you, I don't know the last time you've been home, mm-hmm. but uh, the Rochester poker scene, of course we were playing in, in what we would quote call underground games, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's casinos. I mean, Delago and Turtle right. Stone are not that far away, but uh, the underground games have sort of, I mean, they're still there, but they've gone away a little bit with some things that have happened. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, so it's it's changed a little bit. Um, but I, 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 you brought up a term that I some people might not be familiar with, and you said Black Friday. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about the day after Thanksgiving. No, we're, we're not. not talking about going shopping. It was a tell dark people, time. Tell people what happened on Black Friday and how yeah. that affected poker. Yeah, essentially, like, the the sites that you and I were playing on, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like right. Poker Stars and Full Tilt Poker, you'd see them advertised on TV. The big sites all got um, shut down in an investigation by the FBI and U S funds were, were held up. And that's basically when like online poker became like illegal. I mean, it was never, it's still, it was never illegal, but there, there was a big crackdown on the major sites right? Um, for concerns about like money laundering. The laws have since been like overturned, but uh, for years, all this money was locked up and online poker basically just went away. You know, U S sponsorships went down, advertising went down. So, you know, poker kind of, started getting smaller and smaller without, you know, the recruitment through online advertising and stuff. Some of those people in that were in those sites involved with those sites went to jail. Uh, oh, yeah. Them. Uh, yeah, they- basically the, the sites weren't keeping funds separate. Like they weren't segregating business funds from player funds. So they didn't right. have all the money on hand to back up player accounts. Well, it was almost like a it was almost like a Ponzi scheme, sort of, right, in the yeah. sense that if your account said you had three thousand dollars in it, you had three thousand dollars you could play with, but it didn't necessarily mean that the site had that three thousand dollars in your account. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it it uh there were delays with, with getting the money off and then they stopped yeah. happening altogether and and of course then don't it it also affected the people that could play in the bigger events because people would satellite into the bigger events. Sure. Yeah. So that affected the prize pools as well. Of course. Yeah. The whole so, thing. Now, so now talk to me a little bit about online poker, uh, Mike, and how that's uh, a different animal all in itself. Right. And- yeah. You, you mentioned it earlier uh, playing on PP poker. Um, the, the, I think a lot of the online games, especially in the United States have kind of shifted towards these, these apps, these mobile apps where anyone can host like a, a private club essentially. Um, so I, I've been playing some cash on there and then like a lot of the clubs, you know, I'm like poker bros, they, they unionize or they, they join together to have shared tournaments. And I um, love poker bros. It's fun. I'm actually looking for another, I'm looking for somebody who's running another poker bros one. Cause oh, yeah? I, I like poker bros better than I like PP poker. It has more of a, a um, smoother feel. For me sure it feels more polished right yeah, yeah it feels, more, yeah, it feels more like a i tell people all the time it feels more like a party poker mm-hmm. or full tilt with the, with the cartoons and stuff yeah 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 but, but um, what what is the what is the is there a different style so do you have to adjust your play from live to online is that different it's very different um you know I, i'm i'm playing much much more I don't know, practiced or like, I'm, I'm playing much more mechanically on, online, mm-hmm. a lot more mathematically, you know, very much based on like, it's harder to pick up, you know, reads or profiles on people without seeing them and seeing how they're playing and, and you know, how they're making their decisions. Um, so you kind of have to just rely on how they're betting. So, you know, I go off of how they're, what they, how big or small they make it. Um, 
in general, online is a lot more aggressive. I think people three bet more, you know, they re-raise more. Right. Um, live games tend to be just more passive and, and casual. So it, I would say, I always tell people that it's like a 10X rule. So if you were playing an online stake for, I don't know, let's say you were playing a tournament for $100 online, it would be the equivalent of playing like a $1,000 live tournament. Right. It's as far yeah. as scale. Absolutely. I would totally agree with you on that. Um, do you ever worry because, and I know some people that are going to be listening to this podcast and maybe watching now are saying, uh, we know that in Las Vegas, it's all regulated. Right. And in some other states, it's regulated as well. But when we're talking about like poker bros and, you know, PP poker and stuff like that, do you ever worry that it's because it's not so much regulated? Like, are you ever worried that you're playing against a guy that's running a bot or something like that? I'm less worried about that than I am worried about people colluding. There was there have been some there have been some scams in in some clubs that I've been in where people have been having multiple accounts of their own or they've been partnering with someone. Right. Um, and you know a lot of that is a risk that I just know I'm taking, but I you know I just try to stay vigilant. And if I see anything fishy or like a game seems too good to be true with what people are playing, you know, it kind of just is red flag in my mind and I'll just like shy away from that. And I'm right. definitely like, I'll play a lot bigger live at a casino or, or in a game where I know everybody than I will on an online game. Right. Just, just to protect myself. Cause I, I've been, I haven't screwed in the past. Um, I have friends that have been really, you know, hung out to dry, really taken advantage of. So you, you just have to protect yourself, but you know, in general, the smaller clubs, as long as you trust who's running them, they, they can be a very good, uh, very good way to play. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I just, I recently just broke my hand, so I'm not getting out of yeah, the Yeah, I saw that. How did you break your hand? Oh, I got, I got drunk. And okay. uh, I got drunk and my stair lift wasn't working and I shimmied my way down my stairs and tried to get in my wheelchair and did a little weeble wobble to the right. No. Landed all my weight on my right hand and had to have uh, a plate and two screws put in. Oh shit, man! And for a guy that uses his hands to do everything, yeah, to be down a hand is very difficult. Uh, You're just getting so, too independent. You just wanted to really. No, really I, listen. I, I I live with my mom, and I was drunk, and she offered to help, and I was drunk and stubborn, and said, "No, I can do it." And, uh, <laughs> turns out, I, turns out, I was running really bad that night, Mike. Yeah. It was yeah. fun until it wasn't. And getting nowhere. Getting yeah. nowhere fast. Yeah, it was fun until it wasn't, that's for sure. Man. Um what what are some of your uh I guess my question is because so the people like me that have been playing poker and played poker with you for a long time when you were younger, and we love to see your success, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast at the I watch you on Twitch when you stream on Twitch because you stream some of your uh, online stuff on Twitch. I think that's really cool. But Thanks, what are yeah. some of your, besides this last one, what are some of your your favorite memories from your poker career up until this point? Because obviously it's got a long way to go. Sure. Yeah. I mean, God, it runs the gamut. And, and winning was was so cool because so many people like yourself reach out from, I mean, I, I just, I didn't realize, you, you know, you don't, you lose sight. It's such a big part of my life on a day-to-day -day basis that I lose sight of how long I've been playing. So when, when people, faces and names come out of the woodwork from like 15 years of, of playing, you know, from all over the country and like tons of people from Rochester that I haven't played with since, you know, the garage days, um, you know, it just, it, it feels really amazing. So, you know, I have memories of like driving home from uh from seneca after like a one-two session and getting caught like on 90 in a snowstorm yeah, right and like you know we're, we're like going you know three miles an hour white knuckling in on the road like don't right. know if we're gonna make it but you know we pull, and we haven't slept because we just like played all night yeah um you know and there's you know there's success story you know just tra just traveling like seeing you know I, I got the opportunity to travel like all through college doing it you know atlantic city and florida and you know, all over the Northeast on, you know, whenever I had time off, um, obviously Vegas every summer, like so many memories of staying with people in houses and, and cookouts and, um, you know, all you really, nights. Go you ahead. really do build up friendships. Uh, you, you, I, there's people I see every year that I only see out there, you know, people from, from all over the world. You know, I got, I, there's people I run into that we, you know, we get a meal uh, every year, but 
besides that, don't really communicate all that much, but like, you know, people from Germany and Australia that I've been playing with for, for 10 years. Yeah. Now I, this was just, I didn't even think about this before we started the podcast, but it's an interesting question. And if, and I hope you don't mind answering, uh, oh, no. what, what did the family think your, your family think when you decided to turn pro? I mean, because that is, that is a big thing. It, sure. is, the, it is the only job that I can think of that you're not guaranteed to uh, walk out of there working one day, walk out of there making money. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few, right? Maybe investors or like stockbrokers. Investors stuff, is but, another one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I was fortunate, you know, I, I think that I had been in serious about poker, you know, even during my former professional life and it was always, it was, it was always a part-time thing. And I always kind of, you know, paid my way through through school and, and, and took care of things when I needed to. And so by the time I decided to play full time, um, my parents were both really supportive and excited for me. Um, you know, I think they were a little disappointed because they, they like, you know, saying their their son, the psychologist is a little maybe uh, <laughs> more uh, admirable. I don't know. They But they, they honestly, they're just thrilled that I'm doing something I love and I, I've had their support the whole time. Yeah. So, and I think, and I think that's, you know, it's I get to do radio with brother Weeze and yeah, that's something I love to do. And it is very important to find that because it makes it easy to get up every day and, and do it right. There's for sure. I mean, my, my, my mental health is so much better. I, I have so much more time for, for the relationships in my life and for, you know, for friends and for um, other activities that I would enjoy. And, you know, just, there's, there's a, there's a lot of freedom that comes with it. Um, a lot of opportunity to travel and, you know, when I eventually have kids, you know, there'll be a lot of time for that too. So it's great. I mean, I love it. Now does your, you're married now. Um, yeah. does your wife play at all? She, uh, she played a, a small, a tournament with my sister and roommate, uh, once like four years ago, she won and she's like, I'm done. She's, she's washed, she's washing her hands. She's going to stop on top and she has no interest in learning. Right on top of the mountain. Yeah, one and zero. She's like, I can't believe you. I beat you the only time I played. Like, how how hard could this be? Right. So right, yeah. Um, but she's she's also very supportive. So so what's the now that you've won the tournament? What's the next? Do you have a series of of tournaments lined up that you're going to? And now that uh, COVID seems to sort of be in the rearview mirror, are there more tournament possibilities out there? Yeah, things things are starting to open up. You know, it's still interesting with precautions. Um, I am going to take the next couple months off. I probably won't travel for a tournament until like late January, early February. But um, you know, after some some traveling and some holidays and stuff, uh, we'll get back out there. But yeah, it's interesting. Like the casino near my house here in Arizona, they have plexiglass and a mask mandate, and there are everything seven handed. But then you know, you go to uh, Texas and it's anything goes there's no masks there's no plexi right. it really just depends on the region but um yeah there's definitely more every every series i've been to since covid started has been blowing expectations out of the water and people are chomping at the bit to play so i only expect that to grow more and more um yeah. which is exciting you know it's really exciting because you know uh when i when i decided to go professionally play professionally I had a lot of friends of mine that in poker that were like, man, you know, you kind of, you're making this decision like five to 10 years too late. Like it was so much better, you know, 10 years ago, but people say that every year. And I think, I don't think poker's going anywhere for a while no. at least. Um, you know, it's such a social game and, and uh, you know, it's something that, that it can be challenging and rewarding at a lot of different levels and the luck factor keeps people interested. So. Yeah. And I, and I also think it's going to pick up more steam because I think you're going to see more States regulate, uh, online sure. poker, and so it's going to bring in the average guy that wants to sit at his his computer on a Friday night and try to win a seat into a into a WSOP tournament or maybe yeah. a, that kind of thing. So I think it's only going to get bigger. Um, sure. And uh, my my, what would you tell somebody if they're listening to this podcast and because it's going to be on the iHeartRadio. Yeah, on Spotify, people are going to be able to listen to it after the fact. Mm -hmm. If somebody was thinking about dipping their toe into poker, and maybe they've never done it before, uh, and they don't have friends that play, what would you say 
would be their would you suggest would be their first step into the world of of poker um i think there are a couple books that are still very relevant like the harrington uh on hold'em books are still very relevant today um but definitely checking out uh streamers on twitch um checking out some youtube there's tons of free youtube content to watch um, there are pretty inexpensive training sites. There are some that will sell by the video and you can get like a, you know, an hour's worth of really good, like summary content for like 10 bucks, or you can get like a monthly subscription and have access to hundreds of hours of content. Um, you know, and there are programs that are like specifically designed for taking people that don't know, you know, if a flush beats a straight to a level where they can play at a casino. Right. Um, and then just playing for free on an app or playing, playing really small stakes. Like you can play for, you know, pennies yeah. on these online sites so but definitely as if you decide that it's something you want to stick with definitely make friends in the game and and, right. and learn with other people because it definitely makes all the difference for sure and just the social aspect of it too i mean i've made so many friends and oh, for me yeah. for me if i can just say for a, a minute or two like being a person with a disability and who can't go out and i could never play football or right. I could never play basketball. Uh, being able to sit down at the poker table and my disability wasn't a issue at the poker table, right? right. I was I was on e equal footing with everybody at the at the poker table. Uh, for me, what is what made me fall in love with the game, and then uh, then to see guys like you with all the success you're having is just great. Do people, you probably haven't noticed this yet because this win just happened for you, but are people going to start like playing you differently? Are you, because this is going to be the guy, you're going to come and sit down even at your local casino and you're going to be known as the guy that won the World Series of Poker Bracelet. <laughs> and there are sometimes, we know this in poker, there are sometimes that when there's just one guy at the table you want to beat so that you can say you beat them. Is right. that something you think you're going to have to maybe deal with a little bit? And how will you combat that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that winning, it ends up meaning a lot more to everyone else than it does to like you. I think, I think like, as far as like it, it being a reflection of my ability in any way, I, know, right. I, know, I know that, you know, in one, any one given tournament, you get so lucky. Like it was very, I was very fortunate to win that day. Um, I think that I don't know. I went to a I went to a home game a couple days ago in in Arizona, and a couple people like mentioned the bracelet. You know, they had followed along from home, and they were people I didn't know. Um, right. So it's uh it's it's interesting. There was a I don't I, it's not something I'm going to adjust to. I mean, I think that like it's not something I talk about. But if someone mentions it, I'll I'll you know be gracious and then and just right. recognize that they they might have a different view of me and see how that plays out. But I, I really try not to get ahead of myself. No, and I and I think that's good. It's you know to stay grounded helps you with the poker game. You know, I tell people all the time with radio, people will come up to me and say, "Oh my God, you know, uh, you're can I get my picture taken with you?" And I say to them all the time, "It's a bigger thrill for me that you want your picture taken with me than it is for you." Like, yeah. you know, I'm just a normal guy that just happens to be doing something that you listen to on the radio. So I think that's a great. Uh, a, a great way to look at it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, there's one other guy in Rochester. I'm sure you know him that won a world series of poker bracelet. Uh, uh, you know, him. Uh, yeah, Greg, uh, Greg. it's okay. interesting to me. Yeah. And he doesn't wear his bracelet around. Are you not, is that a thing that people don't? Cause I feel like if I want, I'd be wearing that thing everywhere. I mean, yeah. You could like weave it into one of the, the spokes of your wheels. Like, right. like, <laughs> like a playing card, but you know, it's just like, just so playing, you know, um, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of tacky to wear. I, I treat it more like a trophy, you know, right. I keep it with, with the rings and stuff. But, uh, you know, I did put it on once and, and, and took a picture with, uh, with it on my wrist and I was wearing, I put both rings on and it just looked like, you know, Thanos with his, uh, with his gems or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like iron wrist or something. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just like a thing that people don't really do. Yeah, it's just you just it's there. You put it on the mantle, you look at it every now and then. Yeah, yeah. People come over, they want to look at it. And uh and uh so 
before we end here, tell me where, tell people where they can, um, because I mentioned earlier that they can use stream on Twitch every now and then. Yeah. Uh, so tell people where they can find you if they want to, you know, yeah, yeah. your poker career. Sure. Yeah. Instagram, um, and Twitch at, uh, it's, it's at poker, uh, side D P S Y D. Okay. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, follow them there and, uh, Tell people you because you mentioned earlier uh, yeah. that you had to get very lucky in that tournament. Sure. So we have a saying in the poker world: "Run good." Tell people what "run good" is, and and yeah, there's also another saying. We could go through a bunch of sayings, but yeah, how many times did you use one time in that tournament? I was really quiet. I was I was really just like hiding in my corner with with the, the short stack the whole time. But there were a lot of like river cards where I like turn around standing up my buddy and I'm just like, let's go. there are a lot of let's goes, tons of let's yeah. goes. Yeah. But what, yeah, run good kind of, is, uh, yeah. Good karma. Good karma. What, for, yeah. what kind of rail did you have with you? How many of your buddies were out there with you? I was really fortunate. I, I had one buddy that, that basically swept me the whole way. Um, and then three more ended up showing up for the final table. So there's some great uh, on poker. If you should look at the tournament, it's event 10. Um, there's some great photos on poker news in the, in the photo gallery of, of me and my rail. Yeah. The one with the, the one where you're sitting in front of the chips and holding the bracelet, I think is, is an absolute phenomenal picture. It, they were all so great. I just look, I, it was all such a blur. Like I don't really remember much of that night, but looking back on the photos, like, I'm just like, man, I look so happy and it makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's great to see that people from your past reached out to you oh, and it was following along. It was really overwhelming. And then and I had so many friends that, that had a big series this year, which was also very cool. Um, a friend of mine, David Moses, just won the 888 a couple or yesterday for like 888,000. And he's someone that I've, I've been playing with on the circuit for a long time. Um, and a bunch of people that I, I did coaching with back in the day um, that, that I worked with are one bracelets. So it's, it's been exciting. Now, you said earlier about, I think you said 10 hours a week you you uh study yeah um, how about that are you studying hands are you studying tendencies? yeah are so you I, studying I first, your own game what do you how do you how does that work no that's a good question there's there's some there's some content that i follow so like uh there's some courses that i'm subscribed to that i'll i'll watch training videos and take notes and and kind of do some journaling and reflect on ways that i can improve my own game um but largely what i do is when i'm playing online i'll save hands that I play that I'm unsure about, I'll just screenshot them and add them to like an Excel document. Okay. And then I'll, when I, you know, and then I'll sit down and um, put them in a, in a solver. There's these programs that I'll basically take a, a situation where you pick a, you know, the point, what, what each player can have possibly have, and then a board like a flop. And then it'll basically tell, it'll give you a, an illustration of basically like how to play, you know, every hand in every situation. Um, so I, I look at that and I'll look at patterns and try to try to make uh, rules for myself when, that I can bring to the table. And I and I really think it is the case. Like my game, even over the last two years, I believe has gotten better because mm -hmm. I'm playing online and I'm seeing so many more hands. You see right? so many more hands. You get so much more experience. Yeah, what people say to me all the times, but online you see so many more bad beats, and I say, no, you don't. You're just you seeing see a lot more aces hands. too. Right, but you just see more hands, so you feel like you're seeing a lot more bad beats. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everything's just sped up. Yeah, yeah. But Except for the people that I don't know if you see this, but the people that use all their time bank. Oh. And I'm, just, I, I'm assuming it's because they're multi-tabling, and that's yeah. probably what it is. But it's like, come on. Or trying to ladder. Sometimes you'll tank to try to get the pay jump. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh. talking in a cash game, though. Oh, okay. It seems to happen quite a bit. I'm just like, come on. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not the world series of poker here. How, how often are you going to Lago? Uh, I, well, it's interesting because Lago is only open, uh, four days a week. Oh, uh, because, uh, Lago did not want to reopen after, uh, COVID. Uh, okay. they quote unquote, were saying they weren't making enough money, which, you and I can both probably attest that that's not true. Uh, so they're only open up four days a week. Um, I'm, I, 
I like to try to get there on the weekends because they do a lot of nice high hand bonuses and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which is always nice to, uh, you know, put in your pocket if you can do that. But mm-hmm. yeah, them being only open and Seneca is not even open yet. I don't think Seneca's oh, okay. still closed because the border just opened and they get a lot of people from Canada. So they sure. weren't going to open until the border opened. So I'm not sure about them. But I did see, are you coming to Turning Stone? Because they're doing, I have every intention of trying to make it to Turning Stone for a homecoming, yeah. Because they're doing uh, WSOP, right? Yeah, so I, I at the very least, I'll make it for the main event. But I hope to just be there for the whole series and just see old friends. So yeah, if you're going to yeah, be there, I'll be there. That'll be fun. I will be there. Yeah. If not, uh, the cash games will be good during that time as well. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure that whatever table I'm at is a good cash game. <laughs> there you go. There you go, my friend. Well, listen, my friend, thank you so much for doing this. This was great. And all all the luck in the world continued success. Uh, I appreciate you so much. May all your cards be live and your pots be monsters. uh, (laughs) That's right. My friend, and uh, go get yourself another bracelet. Uh, Yeah, man. Did you play? uh, One last question. Did you play in the, the, the main event? You- yeah, it was, the fir- it was the first time I played like maybe four times in the past, okay. and uh, this was the first day I busted day one. Oh, it, that- it hurt! It yeah. hurt. I was I was feeling so confident too, like oh, this is my summer, you know, this is this is my series, everything's good, and I it just I had a great table too. I was feeling good about everything, and then just I was second best every hand. Yeah, and there's there's nothing worse when you're second best yeah. every hand because sometimes it's not even anything you can really do about it. You're just you know you're in a spot and. Yeah. And you're just, you know, you're spinning your tires in the mud per se. If if nothing else, poker is a great a great way to to learn how to just accept things as they come, right? Right. Just take it, make the best of whatever situation is dealt to you. It's gonna happen the way it's gonna happen, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. It, it really is. Mike, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. This was another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh we got into we got into poker a little bit, my favorite uh pastime and the you often can hear me talking about this uh with brother wheeze on on friday mornings we talk about bad beats and, oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff so it's uh you know it's uh, it's great to see somebody from rochester doing so well we will be back next week with another great guest everybody have a great rest of your week we'll see you next wednesday bye bye thanks man take care